Welcome to Shattered, the podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss mental illness. It's by a sufferer, for sufferers, and for the people that are looking to understand what it's like to live with mental illness. Last week, we touched on a little bit of why it's so tough to talk about your mental health issues, and we talked a little bit about how going to a psychiatrist, psychologist, can be a tough thing to do. And I want to explain to you what it's generally like to go through life with a mental illness, because we all have an understanding of what it's like to be depressed. We all understand what it's like to feel lonely because we've all been through puberty. We all felt it. We all experienced all the highs and lows. Any parent out there with a teenager is knowing exactly what I'm saying. We all went through it. Nobody was excluded. And most of us think when we hear somebody say, oh, I suffer from depression, they relate it back to that puberty experience that they had. Now, the problem with that is that puberty experience was minuscule compared to what you suffer as having a mental illness. So most people, when when you talk to them about, hey, I'm really, really sad today, they go, oh, yeah, I get it. I've been sad. I was sad in puberty why don't we go get an ice cream? Not knowing that that is the last thing in the world that you want. Uh, I mean, you might want an ice cream, might be good, but the last thing you want is somebody thinking that they can say or do something to make it better because they can't. They'll try, um, but you have to be kind. You have to let them know that, dude, that's not what I need right now. Now, sometimes what the person's suggesting might be exactly what you need. Uh, For my daughter, for example, oh, I'm sad, go for a bike ride. No, I don't want to go for a bike ride, go for a bike ride. I don't want to go, all right, I'll go for a bike ride. She goes for a bike ride, she comes back, she's a different person. She's so much better. Now, that's puberty plus mental health issues, but that is where most of us gain our understanding. And I want to try and make that very, very clear. That So this is part and parcel of why it's so hard to talk about it when you get a bit older, because that's your experience of being sad as well. You as a sufferer have, have been in that case where you know what puberty was like. Puberty sucked. Nobody enjoyed puberty. It's so much worse and so much more intense. And another difficulty is that the language that we use is very, very similar. How is my teenager feeling? Oh, they're feeling disconnected. They're they're feeling sad. They're feeling lonely. They're feeling ostracized. And we use that very much the same language. Now, to be depressed and then to be clinically depressed are two different things. It's like swimming in a swimming pool to swimming in the ocean. To be depressed is like swimming in a swimming pool. To be depressed, clinically depressed, is like swimming in the ocean. Uh, I shouldn't have to go into any more specifics about that. In the ocean, you've got the turmoil, you've got the the waves, you've got um, all that stuff going on that uh, makes... Swimming in the ocean so much more dangerous. Rips, animals, kelp, uh, poison things if you're living in Australia, sea snakes, 
uh, a million different things making it a million different times worse. And if somebody's never done that, they've never swum in that emotional uh, ocean, uh, they've only ever been in the pool, which is kind of like your puberty emotions, uh, it's, a, it's a real disconnect. So for a person with mental illness, it's like, and I want to use an example that a famous woman, Temple Grandin, came up with. She's a woman that is uh, very much on the autistic spectrum, uh, very autistic actually. Uh, she could not speak, could not interact uh, through the love and dedication of her family. They found tools to help her become a fully functioning adult. Temple Grandin is her name. Go and look her up. She talks about this circumstance where I want you to, for one moment, just imagine those old-style telephone operator exchanges. Remember you had the woman sitting there, she had the headphones on, and somebody would call her, hey, this is the operator, who do you need to speak to? Oh, can I have extension 4441? And she pulls out the cord, she plugs it in. What I want you to imagine is that board full of plugs full of things that if i put this plug in here it'll connect this with this the human mind is very much like that you put this plug in here and it plugs into there so this part of my mind thinks this my memory takes it up saves it to live with a mental illness it's like somebody's gone to that board and they've taken out every single lead and then they've just shoved them back in in different ways in ways that don't make sense anymore. So all of the stimuli, all of the information is still coming in, but it's perverted by the fact that the connections aren't right in your head. So you're not just trying to make sense of the world around you, but the fundamental way that you uh, usually understand what's going around you has been disrupted is all the wires have been pulled out they've all been put back in in the wrong ways so you're still getting all that information everything that's happening everything that happens in your day uh, a neighbor uh, waves at you you say hello to somebody in a supermarket but the way that you react to it is completely different because those switches have been put back in those plugs have been plugged back in to the wrong place so I need to go to the shops. What does the normal operator think? Plug in, take out one plug. Okay, we're going to plug in the shops. Great. Here you go. Uh, here's what you need to do. Think about it. Here's your list. Uh, you'll need to figure out how you're going to get there. Uh, that's the standard way. Now, for a person with mental illness, you need to go to the shops. Well, a storm starts. It's loud. It's noisy. I'm starting to think of... What people will I have to interact with? How will I remember what I need to write down? Can I actually do this? Can I do it without freaking out? Can I do it without triggering myself? Can I? And all these thoughts now add on to this simple task of going to the shops. The plugs have just been so turned around that, uh, oh, I hear a child laughing that gives me joy. You unplug that and you put it into, it's going to drive you crazy. Oh, I hear a kid, ah, why is that kid screaming? It's just it's so upsetting to me. 
I mean, everybody gets upset, but a person with mental illness, that could be a trigger that sends just a, a, a cacophony of sounds and thoughts and impulses into their mind that are overwhelming. I know I've found this. Uh, I was injured when I was working with people with disabilities. Uh, there was a critical incident. Uh, my life was in danger and I didn't feel like there was any way to protect myself. And I quite literally thought I was going to die a couple of times. Few, oh, let's say a little while after I got hurt, I'd been getting the help I need. Um, but I couldn't be around kids with intellectual disabilities. I couldn't be around anybody with intellectual disabilities. Somebody with hearing loss or uh, glasses or whatever, you know, a physical infirmity, no problem at all. But when I could clearly identify, and when you've worked in that field, it's very, very easy to pick up. Well, the way I describe it is like this. Uh, everybody's got a airbag in their car. Airbags are great. Airbags are terrific. Airbags are there for a purpose. They're there to save your life. And when they operate properly, they're perfectly fine. They only go off when they need to. Uh, when they need to, it's generally in a violent um, in a violent incident. You've crashed the car. The thing bursts out. Uh, it's violent, but it is a necessary um, exercise in having a, a balloon blasted at you to save your life. Now imagine if the airbag went off every time you touched it. So you start the car, you're driving down the street, it's a normal day, you're about to turn, you press the brake a little bit and the airbag goes off. Bang! In your face. Just smashes you. Throws you, throws you back. This is what it was like for me to see a, a, a person with an intellectual disability. I was walking through the shops and I walked down an aisle. I was about halfway down. I was buying some stuff. I looked up in the direction that I was going and it was a full group house full of kids with their carers uh, out shopping. I knew the scenario. I'd been there before. I'd done it. I knew exactly what was going on. Normally, doesn't even register on my radar. I'm just going to walk past those guys, say, probably say hello. Uh, I know that uh, disabled people especially feel ignored. So when you see somebody with Down syndrome, you're walking past him. If he smiles at you, hey, how's it going, man? It's just a nice thing to do. That's what I would have done before I got hurt. Once I got hurt, that airbag went off and it went off unexpectedly. And it was the same as it would be in an accident. You have no warning, just bang. And that was what it was like. I got hit by this forceful fear and it was it was like a storm going off in my head. And the airbag, it had thrown me. My ears were ringing. There was shouting in my, in my head. I turned around to walk the other way. Well, to run the other way, actually. Problem was, there was another group of kids, and these ones were even smaller. These were like little kids that were very, very young, uh, in wheelchairs. There's no threat that they posed to me. But then, another airbag went off. Bang! I turned back the other way. Another airbag went off. In the end, I'm told that I 
either tried to or I did climb over the shelves uh, into the other aisle. I actually don't remember. I know that somebody was not happy with me, uh, a shop person, and I can't tell you whether I actually made it over the, the shelves or whether I feel like I got halfway up and then just took off. That's what it's like to live with that trigger, with that sensation of um, something could hit me at any moment. The purpose today, if I'm going to wrap it all up in a neat package, is just to give you an understanding of what it's like going through life with all the signals, the wires are crossed. They don't make any sense. you got airbags going off inside your mind constantly. How do we deal with this? Well, it's the same thing. You've got to take care of your mental health. You've got to talk to a psychologist. You've got to be taking your pills. You've got to be identifying situations that are dangerous and you've got to avoid them if you can. Or if you have to, you need to have an exit strategy. If it's somewhere that you cannot avoid, you need to have an exit strategy. This is what it's like, very much so, for a person living with a mental illness. Nothing is easy. Nothing is natural and this constant fear that something might happen is ever present make sure that you're taking care of your mental health reach out to the people around you make sure they're doing the things that they need to do ask them permission say can i get permission to remind you of the things that you need to do and for those that are suffering i just want to say once again If you're going through hell, don't stop. Thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast. Special thanks to executive producer Torian Lau and also to the band Adelaide for allowing me to use their song. Check them out, Adelaide Music, in Tears Hedge Engine, and you'll find out all about them. I'll catch you next time on Shattered, the podcast. (laughs) 